Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the MedTech Podcast. You join me, your host, Karadeep Singh Badwell, and in today's episode, I'll be hosting Joe Mullings, who is the founder of the Mullings Group, the world's leading search firm in medical devices, and TMG Pulse, a MedTech news website. His clients vary from emerging startups to multi-billion dollar companies, involved in many different technologies, including surgical robotics, telehealth, and AI. Joe has been working in the MedTech and HealthTech space for over three decades, and in this episode, he shares with us what he has learned traveling the world, meeting with different medtech companies through his television series with Tree Future TV, his predictions for the future, and his advice for young people looking to get into the industry. Welcome to the show, Joe. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. No, it's more than a pleasure to have you on. You worked in the industry for over three decades. How did that journey go for you? And where did you eventually get the idea to create the Mullings Group and the various other companies you work with today? Sure. So yeah, three decades in the industry. I think we're in our 31st year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the organization was first started as a search firm uh, back in, well, I got into search in 89, but TMG was officially formed in 92 to be technically accurate. Uh, we knew that we wanted to isolate one industry in particular, which at that point in time, uh, 1992, 1991, was unheard of. Uh, most search firms were an amalgamation of different desk categories. Ours was health tech, med tech at the time. And we had thought because, well, the um, population was living longer, uh, that technology would always seek a higher ground. Uh, it had a built-in governor in it, meaning the FDA, so it could never grow too rapidly. Therefore, it rarely had the chance to crash. Um, and we always knew that technology was lagging in, in med tech and that it would have outside influences. And I never imagined to the point it is today. I'd love to say I was that thoughtful. I'm not. But when we think about imaging, navigation, um, predictive analytics, digital, cloud, Bluetooth, all of that now converging on the med tech, health tech industry. Um, it's really worked out well for us. So that, that's the search side. And then in about 2016, we started um, going deep into media uh, from a full production house to a full team to full uh, facilities that now is as large of a business sector for the TMG companies as our search business. And it includes um, organizations from small emerging tech startups up to uh, Fortune 100 uh, uh, sort of med tech, health tech companies. So it's been a really interesting journey and they complement each other so well uh, that um, we have clients who come to us for sort of media and PR now who used to do search. And then those who do media and PR now come to us for search as well. And it's just about building a hiring brand and a tech brand around your organization, not a product brand. Okay. So with the pandemic in mind, you know, the search industry was affected quite a lot about that. How did you overcome about, you know, dealing with that challenge? The pandemic, um, candidly, was a record-breaking year for us. Um, so I think our, our uh, production was 25% year over 2019, which was a record year for us as well. And so some of that revolved around our client base, customer base 
is probably 80 to 85% emerging tech companies that are either pursuing a 510K, an IDE, or a PMA. Who did take it on the chin were organizations that were catering to the large strategics, publicly traded companies that had to shut down manufacturing facilities, stop salespeople from going out into the field, and really shutter everything because they had to worry about tens of thousands of employees where most of our focus has been uh, indexed towards the emerging tech companies that could have as little as five or six people in it, up to 50 to 100, who are not worried about commercial activity, so to speak, but more about product development, uh, uh, clinical and regulatory pursuit, and a building rather than a selling perspective. So it was really fortunate for us and fortunate for our clients that we didn't have as an adverse outcome from uh, what it looked like from March, 2020 on. Okay, I see. So for the young people out there listening, obviously that you work in search, you get to see a different perspective. who are looking to get into med tech, what advice mm -hmm. would you give to them? And what are the sort of career paths that they should really start considering for a better future? Fantastic question. So most of the individuals coming out of university right now think that they want to get into med tech and they want to get into med tech through the pathway of sales. And um, out of all the functional roles in med tech, health tech, the one that is at risk right now is the sales role. And the reason I say that is that how we are meeting the customers and where the centers of care are gravitating to in the med tech, health tech industry are sort of in transition right now. Some of that is into ASCs, ambulatory surgical centers from hospitals, some of it is into the home health marketplace through telehealth and patient empowered slash consumer empowered diagnostics and even therapeutic. Uh, you've got these focus factories, as I call them, where there's specialty uh, facilities that maybe only manage um, something like fem health or only manage men's health or only manage neuroorthopedics. And so the sales functions in organizations right now are up in the air being evaluated. Some of these products are going to be Amazon, where it can be on demand, where you will literally have Amazon as a partner, maybe something that indexes down to wound care, or even we've got a client who's got a fantastic proposition that's a disposable uh, endolaparoscope uh, that will have uh, a code on it that as soon as it's used, it's swiped. Uh, there's an order that takes place and literally it shows up Amazon the next day at that ASC's um, center. So that sales pathway is one at risk. And I would pause and tell people, if you're wanting to be involved in the med tech industry, and it's along the lines of a commercial activity, I would look at getting into the clinical end of things, meaning clinical research organizations or clinical roles within large strategics. That's a little bit harder on the large strategic side because those large strategics, such as let's call it, you know, Medtronic, J and J, Edwards, they tend to have a let's call it an inventory of people they can pull from already. But the little known pathway that most people who are not in med tech don't understand that a CRO, a clinical research organization, is looking for young, smart, aggressive, driven, disciplined people who understand science and want to interact with people, want to be able to facilitate and persuade and influence the outcome on a patient and a technology. So if I was not an engineer 
or I was not somebody who knew already I wanted regulatory quality or, or engineering, and I think I wanted to get involved in sales, I would go in through the clinical research function in an organization. Okay. So with the emergence of artificial intelligence and surgical robotics taking place, would you say that is true that there are certain career paths that are now at risk, or is it a case of that's just more of a rumor? <laughs> so, um, look, AI, artificial intelligence is a term that I believe is thrown about, thrown about a little too irresponsibly right now in general, but I'm going to stay in my subject matter expertise and my swim lane of med tech and health tech. Uh, I do think AI, and let's refer to it too, is very narrow AI. Right? So once you understand artificial intelligence and then you understand narrow AI, where we can teach a machine to do something very, very specific or look for something very, very specific, whether it's in imaging, whether it's in robotics, it is a very finite path or a finite task we're asking it to do at a rate and a scale and a scope that a human or even a farm full of humans could not do. So it's probably going to enter in and it already has entered in to med tech in the imaging side of things where it's a diagnostic more than a therapeutic. So I don't think that is going to replace anybody, so to speak. In fact, I forecast it creates jobs. It creates more jobs for software engineers, more jobs for UI UX people, more jobs for clinicians and even non-physicians. I do believe eventually because of the workload of the physician, you're gonna to start to use AI that will then be given to somebody else who can either read a diagnostic outcome because all they're doing is facilitating the diagnosis from the machine, the doc will still make the final decision. But the only way we're gonna be able to increase the bandwidth that AI, narrow AI will give us and be able to increase the time in the day of the caregiver, the docs are already jammed. They already have their calendar filled. So increasing the efficiency of getting test readouts to them is not gonna help anybody. So I think you're gonna see the workflow change there. On robotics, Robotics is only responsible for less than 5% of the cases done to date. I don't think robotics is going to take over any part of the med tech industry at all. I do think, however, though, it will start to, again, broaden on how we handle patients. It will also increase the competency curve because we will now be, be able to use a machine in order to amplify the knowledge, not necessarily the skills, but the knowledge of the persons or the teams doing a procedure. Okay. So I'm also aware that you travel the world, you know, learning about different technologies through a video series that you did with True Future TV. What did you see as the up and coming trends in med tech and health tech? And what life lessons did you learn during the recording of that series? Hmm. Uh, interesting. We just got um, our three telly awards in the mail today. So I'm very proud of our team at Dragonfly and 160 Studios here is we were recognized and won three Telly Awards during this past season. So uh, thanks for mentioning True Future. Oh gosh, as far as trends that I see, um, I, I see the consumerization of med tech and health tech occurring. Uh, because of the cost in order to bring health tech and med tech to the marketplace, the bottleneck or, or the, the barrier to increasing um, access, decreasing cost, and improving outcomes is now laying in the hands of the physician. 
or the surgeon or the clinician. I believe we've got technologies that are present today and are continuing to scale that are going to allow us to predictively identify um, potentially future-facing catastrophic diagnosis to an earlier stage where it's treatable and it's almost like a small speed bump versus um, let's call it a sinkhole that could be tragic for an individual. So I think predictive analytics, uh, looking at personalized medicine, being able to use a 23andMe type predictive um, you know, lifestyle, let's call it genetics loads the gun, lifestyle fires it. And so we will be able to see what people are predisposed for, start to be able to use biometrics that will be a low cost ability in the home and in your everyday life and on here and be able to trigger an outlier sort of biometric combination to a care center that will allow me to come in and be able to catch the monster while it's still tiny. So that's, that's where I think we're going personalized medicine. Um, on the other side of things, what did I learn? Um, I think I confirmed the lesson I, I, I already knew more than two decades ago. The people who choose to go into the med tech health tech industry are in this for a mission and not a paycheck. And the evidence to that is you rarely get somebody exiting the industry. And if they exit the industry because they thought they saw greener fields on the other side of the fence, they almost always boomerang back because they miss the reason why they wake up every day. And so I think I always knew that, but it was especially confirmed with the passion and the conversations we had as we traveled the globe with True Future. An interesting topic you touched on there, which is biometrics. Are you seeing a security concern when it comes to biometrics? Are you seeing that there's maybe certain people out there who perhaps don't want to provide that information? And also at the other end of the scale, companies are maybe hesitant to hold that information due to you know, the potential security issues that come with it. Sure, and I, and I think there's other industries that have, for the most part, solved concerns with security, whether you're referring to credit cards, bank accounts, personal information on an iPhone or on a personal device, uh, social security numbers, you know, I can go down the list, passports. We, we've already solved, for the most part, um, security issues when it comes to data, especially personal data of, of, of uh, meaning. Um, the, the interesting thing about the data that we're collecting in MedTech Health Tech is very few people benefit from the collection of my bank account data or my social security data or um, my ordering data on Amazon. Uh, but the world and mankind can benefit from the collection, aggregation, and analysis of biometric data in solving some of the massive problems we have today, whether it's heart disease, uh, cancer, uh, or any of the other, or, or hypertension, or the other killers that exist today. So I think that MedTech Health Tech right now is at its infancy in how to collect, aggregate, share, um, and focus data in order to get outcomes that are ideal. Uh, I do think you're always going to have the loudest and the smallest part of the population screaming, ranting, and raving about our data and about sharing it. But I would love to, in an unfortunate outcome, have one of their closest loved ones to them become terribly sick. And the solution is found in the data that they collected from them or others in the world, and they may change their tune. So 
Some of it, I think, is people who just like to bitch about things and wear tinfoil hats. I certainly madly respect the need for anonymizing data. Other industries have done it. We will do it in health tech, med tech as well. No, that's good to hear. So when it comes to med tech, people always think of the UK, USA and Europe. But I know that there's a lot going on in other parts of the world. Would you be able to please discuss that with us? Sure. So, you know, we think about the... Um, we talk about the US, right? Everybody wants to come to US with their medical device. And some of it is because they get paid the best and reimbursed the best and less of a governing body on social medicine, if you will. We, we still have a relatively free market here. We're in the UK and we've got a facility in the UK. So I know about the social uh, sort of support in the healthcare industry there. Um, you know, there, there the interesting thing about med tech is the the sectors of medtech that get most of the coverage are those that still do incredibly important work, yet solve um, problems that affect less of the population. What do I mean by that? I mean, the very basic devices that some of the big strategics make are sold at a fraction of the price outside the US into other large um, populous countries that have just basic blocking and tackling, whether it's suturing, whether it's general surgery, uh, whether it's ENT, OBGYN. So we still have to solve, I would say 80 to 85% of the massive problems are solved with commodity devices. Um, but the sexy stuff that everybody wants to see is taking place in the US. Now in England, especially, and, and for those watching this, mark this day on your calendar, I forecast, other than Israel, England will be one of the hottest areas of medtech, health tech over the next five years, coming out of Oxford and Cambridge in particular. Um, they have got something there in the university, and they're freeing it up now instead of putting a white paper in a draw and not pulling it out for whatever reason. So, look, the sexy tech takes place in Israel now England and the US and some other areas. I don't want to disrespect the other areas, but I think everybody likes the shiny, fancy, leading edge stuff. And that's where it's coming out of. But the bigger problems are solving the basic middle of the curve, blocking and tackling health tech problems. Thanks for that. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the UK market. I'm quite fortunate to live only about an hour away from Oxford. So <laughs> I may just pop down and have a visit to see what the future will look like. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. I'll call you and let you know where I am when we get together and have a pint. Most definitely. So I know you do some work with startups as well. And working with a startup can often be stressful, particularly for those of ones who've never worked in med tech or health tech before. What are the common mistakes that you see startups making and what can they do to ensure that number one, they get to the market faster and number two, they have a product that is as best it can be? Mm. So I think the challenges I see most often um, are trying to boil the ocean um, with a solution. Uh, you've got a fixed amount of resources. Um, having a clear pathway to a uh, clinical goal is critical. Patient selection in clinical trials is not respected enough. Um, that, that can make or break outcomes. Um, hiring a CEO um, for the wrong period in time. So the CEO you have in your 
sort of friends and family angel round up through your B round may be different than the CEO you should have in your C and D and commercialization round, depending on the type of product you're putting out over the line. I would say that's it. And then also um, underfunding, here's my concern is, up until March of 2020, the playbook, although it wasn't perfect, was relatively predictable on how and what it's gonna to cost to bring a product to market. Everything from salaries, from office space, to the ability to get clinical trials and recruitment on clinical trials taking place inside hospitals, that entire dynamic has shifted. And if you have not seriously examined you know, and, and really examine your business plan and your funding as it applied to that legacy business plan. And I did say legacy, even though it's only two years old, um, you are going to hit wins that it'll be half pregnant. You'll have half the money you need to get over the line. And if you're investors, um, do not recognize that and do not start to extend out timelines and increase um, economics in order to meet those, I think is going to be the serial mistake that I'm seeing take place today. What is the most interesting product or sector within MedTech that you've ever worked in? What a great question. I would say because I'm an engineer and because I'm a nerd, I would say probably surgical robotics because I was there in the early days of it and I've, and I've gotten to play around with some of the best robots and best machines and listen to some of the best thought leaders because the surgical robotics was as much around workflow and philosophy as it was in solving drives, motors, pulleys, um, and controls problems. Uh, there was a pure philosophy around what should a robot do and what shouldn't it do? What does, a, what does a surgeon want and what doesn't she want? What does the work team do and what doesn't it do? So it was a much more complex um, sort of playing field than just developing a simple catheter. Now, having said that, I also love the structural heart business. I love tricuspid mitral repair replacement. Uh, I love the technology required in order to deliver something, an implant like that, and, 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 the, and the maze that had to be managed. Um, and then finally, I think today, it's the least complex, but it's the most socially interesting to watch is telehealth. And the different aspects of telehealth everything from a platform like Proximy, which is again, another you know, UK grown uh, organization that is different than a Teladoc, that is different than an Avail Med system. While they all shoot an image um, over the distance for some sort of tele-engagement, they're all solving different problems. And they're all influencing um, more of the psychology of uh, engagement necessarily than than providing a surgical solution. And to me, in my opinion, it's the first pure platform play that should be viewed as a utility in health tech med tech that no one company should own, that it should be like the electrical grid or the gas grid or the power grid or the telephone business where it is a utility mindset overlaid that everything else transacts on almost like an internet. And the second that one of the large strategics gets it, 
they're going to shut it down for only their products. I don't see a and j buying a telehealth platform and letting Medtronic play on it. So I would say that is from a psychological social perspective and the first pure platform play in medtech, health tech is the telehealth business. Okay. So touching on the topic of tele- telehealth and general digitalization of sort of health and medtech, do you believe that we may have a problem with an aging population who may not be familiar with the systems? And have you ever seen any companies out there perhaps creating support systems to help people like that to make use of this technology? Well, sure. You know, it comes back to the number one, um, the number one question you have to ask yourself is, how, how is my patient going to uh, use this? Or how is my patient going to benefit from it, right? So every great med tech company thinks about the patient first, then thinks about economics. And so, you know, when you think about telehealth, you've got infrastructure challenges, you've got what we call bandwidth issues, right? So that's number one is, is how are we going to make sure that this access is accessible, that somebody has an iPad or an iPhone um, or a desktop or however you categorize that. And how do we keep it so it's not equipment heavy? You know, I mentioned three players earlier, Teladoc, Avail, and Proximy. And Proximy was the first um, to make it a, uh, a pure software play instead of a hardware play because you can scale that. And, and that's why I like that platform in particular is you can scale in four dozen countries over a weekend um, where you can't do that, where you're hardware anchored. So um, I think eventually you're going to have that telehealth presence um, everywhere because I don't know what percentage of the population right now is so, somewhat engaged, uh, but a, a large percentage enough um, is, and I do eventually think that that will become subsidized internet, subsidized device for us to be able to take the greatest brains sitting in Columbia, Cleveland, Stanford, and be able to reach out to third world nations or other remote regions and be able to have a different educated eye on a patient or a patient population. So we'll solve the problem because if there's more patients to reach, capitalism will be sure we get there. Um, But we have to make sure we have the technology that can be deployed in order for access uh, to be as equitable as possible. With you being an engineer by nature, what do you actually get up to outside of work? Um, I don't know if I have anything outside of work and I don't mean that to be cute, but like, this is my hobby. This is my, this is what I, this is what I thoroughly enjoy. I'm one of those, I think more rare individuals. Uh, but as far as hobbies for years, I've been involved in combat sports, uh, and, uh, that, uh, had been all encompassing, uh, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, uh, spent, many years uh, coaching and managing UFC fighters. As of late, I've gotten into uh, pursuing my pilot's license. So I thoroughly enjoy the challenge of flying, uh, the uh, discipline required, uh, the risk mitigation that's required, um, and just having something fast to go in. So I would say outside of work, I really enjoy that. And I also enjoy writing. So uh, none of them I do professionally, but I enjoy them all. Okay. I'm a fan of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. It's something I picked up four years ago. And prior to that, I was doing kickboxing. And the difference between the two is is just completely amazing. I mean, it's a full-body workout. The community in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the kind of people you come across, you know, 
from all walks of life. I think it really is a really good hobby to get into. I love to hear that. And, and you know this as a businessman, every lesson you learn uh, on a mat in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is very applicable to uh, building a career, building business. You're right. The community is incredibly generous. Um, you know, for the most part, once you get through that first year or two and you leave your ego on the mat, um, that's when you really start to learn, right? And, and you don't get caught up in winning and losing, although we do keep score. Um, so why wouldn't you keep score unless there's winning or losing? But keeping score in jujitsu is more of a gauge on how you're developing, not how you're beating somebody. Yeah, completely agree with that. It's always about learning from your failures, which, you know, mm -hmm. that's what business is always about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one thing in your career, particularly with the amount of work that you do, is taking care of your health. So if there's somebody out there who wants to, you know, become an entrepreneur, wants to do, you know, what's considered to be a very high level of work, what do you do in your lifestyle to make sure that your health is as good as it can be? I get a lot of sleep. Um, so uh, I try and get eight hours a day. I go to bed at eight o'clock at night and I wake up at four in the morning, um, pretty much seven days a week. Uh, I make sure what I put into my body is what my body wants. Um, so pretty much a fully organic diet for the most part. Uh, I try and keep uh, the sins to a minimum, but I can't do that with tequila all the time, but it does get the better of me. Um, but, you know, there, there's something to be said. It is the vegetable group. Um, I also, um, probably most importantly, is your mental health. Because how your brain feels dictates how your body's going to feel. And so managing your mental health, managing the expectations of that, making sure that you, own, you use your definition of balance, not your friends or those who are jealous of you or those who wish they could do what you do, therefore try and put their judgment on you as work-life balance. Every single one of us has our own definition of balance. And so with that, making sure that you're true to what you know you should be doing and how hard you should be running. Um, but rest, I can't, I can't, I can't over, um, over index to making sure that you get enough sleep. It's probably one of the most therapeutic things for the human body. Definitely take that advice onto board. So, Joe, I really appreciate you having on today. You've shared a lot of knowledge. So to wrap up today, what one piece of advice would you leave the listeners with? Probably the thing that I really have subscribed to the last couple of years is um, give, give, give without the expectation of anything in return. But don't cheat yourself. Be standing in plain sight when somebody does need something and be able to solve the problem for them. And if you run your business and your career and maybe your life like that, I think the outcomes um, probably would be more ideal than if you didn't. Thank you very much for that, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I hope the listeners have enjoyed speaking with you today. I appreciate the opportunity to share. And thank you for your thoughtful questions. Thank you very much. All right. Be well. Thank you for listening to episode 10 of the MedTech Podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe. If you wish to learn more about Joe, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. Also be sure to check out his video series on truefuture.tv and follow him on YouTube where he gives advice to both MedTech companies and candidates.